Well, everybody, how you doing? My name is Toby. I'm one of the pastors here at Cross Timbers, and whether you're joining us in one of our physical locations or you're one of the hundreds that are engaging with us online from around the country, I'm really, really glad that you're here. If you've been with us this year, you know that I launched out this year making a commitment to you to let you know about uh, some of the priorities, some objectives for us as a leadership here at Cross Timbers in 2019. And some of you know that uh, we talked about an investment into leaders, building leaders. And the first uh, way that we were going to begin to try to reach that objective is with something called 10K Tuesdays. How many of you got a chance to go to 10K Tuesdays? You joined all over almost a 900 adults, over a thousand people that gathered uh, for the sole purpose of being invested into to grow as leaders. And I wanted to take just a moment before we began today and to talk about another one of the objectives that's near and dear to my heart, and that is this. We want to provide an opportunity for you to connect with other people relationally in our church family. Uh, we want you to begin the process of beginning to build relationships. You know, for lots of us that grew up when our kids were at home, we had high school kids or middle school kids, uh, like the stands at a football game or in gyms. That's where we started meeting people. It's just a place in common interest, right? And we know for many of you who aren't in that life stage, you, the place for you to just to begin to build relationships that matter, it begins with just getting to know some people. And so we want to provide that opportunity for you, all of you who are meeting in one of our physical locations this year. And so I think what the team has decided to call it, it's called free market groups, but it's really just an, a, a descriptive word for we want to provide avenues where you can gather with other people around common interests that you have. And uh, so people have begun to ask us about those gatherings, about those free market groups. Your campus leaders will tell you lots about it. I will say this, everything at Cross Timbers begins with the pathway. That's where you begin. Your next step for you, if you haven't so far, is to go to the pathway. And in the pathway, as you commit to building relationships that matter, one of the tools that we'll put in your tool chest will be an opportunity to be a part of a free market group. And for those of you who've been through the pathway, uh, your campus leaders, again, your connection pastors will let you know a way that you can find out more information this will, and sign up online to be a part of one of these free market groups. So we're really, really excited about that. If you're joining us online, uh, again, a growing community of people engage with us digitally. Uh, we're working very hard for you to be able to engage with us in this pathway, electronically, digitally. We Hopefully, in the next 30 to 60 days, we'll be able to launch and let you know about an opportunity that you can go online and be a part of what's happening here with our pathway as well. So we're really, really excited about it. Now, all of that behind us, I want you to, if you have a Bible or a smartphone or an iPad, I want you to open it to Acts chapter 2. What I told you last week is one of my favorite stories in the Bible, and my favorite chapter in that story is Acts chapter 2. We left last weekend with the Holy Spirit coming upon these, these ordinary men being baptized in the Holy Spirit, and the end result of that was is that people were saying to them, well, you must be drunk. You had some who were saying, hey, maybe... Uh, what is this about? And they were interested, but most people were, you guys must be drunk. This is crazy. And so Peter, this disciple, who before the baptism of the Holy Spirit had been 
intimidated by a teenage Jewish peasant girl at a fire, denied Christ three times. Peter stands up to speak. It's almost as if you're like, wait, who is this guy? And Peter begins in Acts chapter 2, this this long uh, message using historical data to make one point. So, for sake of time, this weekend, I wanna, I'm going to kind of summarize his sermon there in Acts chapter 2 and get to the point so I can get to the rest of the story, which is where I want it to go, okay? Everybody with me? Okay. So, here's basically, here's what he says. is He says, uh, then let all of Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Let me take you back through history, Jews. Let me tell you about what the prophet said. Let me tell you what about David said. But bottom line, here's the deal. You killed Jesus Christ. His message was basically this. If you're taking notes, his message was basically this. You have a problem, and the answer is a resurrected Christ. Now let's talk. Can we talk about that for a minute? Can we talk about a message that doesn't seem very seeker-friendly for Peter to stand up and to begin the mission that Jesus is calling to by saying, hey, you got a problem. He says to them, don't miss it. This, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, it's been 60 days since Jesus had been resurrected. At least most of these thousands gathered were just now getting word. But he's saying, no, you... Your missing of the mark, your refusal to recognize Jesus as Lord is the reason he was on a cross. And your life needs to change. Now, now here's the deal. I think this is why this is important. Stay with me. I think there are two extremes in today's world when we start talking about this problem that all of us have. Many of us grew up in churches where pastors banged wooden pulpits to make sure that we knew that we were sinners. How many of you grew up in that kind of environment? How many of you grew up in an environment? Look around, whatever room you're in, how, hundreds of us who heard you're a sinner, and when you heard it, you kind of got the idea that he kind of liked telling you you were a sinner. I mean, the ultimate... The ultimate compliment you could give a preacher in my growing up years were, hey, man, you really stepped on my toes today. Thank you for making me feel bad. <laughs> right? And so my generation, you younger ones, listen to me. My generation, we, like, we swung the pendulum the whole other way, and we said, you know what? All have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. It's okay. And for many of us, we took this casual view of our imperfection. Hey, everybody's human. Everybody makes mistakes. And many of us justified like our imperfection as humanity. And here's what we said. Well, at least we're not doing, and we filled in the blank with what somebody else was doing that we felt like was worse than what we did. Come on, somebody. You know I'm telling you the truth. I mean, we all became... 16-year-olds, when we got in trouble for not making our bed, then we tell our, our answer to our mother is, well, at least we weren't smoking or whatever. That was kind of the deal. Everybody's doing, it, everybody's doing something worse. And we took this casual, laissez-faire attitude about our sin. 
So you've got one extreme where it's, hey, man, God's the big grandpa in the sky, and he's going to take care of all of it, and we all, it's no big deal, and everybody messes up. That's one extreme where there's like no conviction in your heart about what God's trying to do. Then the other end is where you feel bad about yourself all the time. You got what I grew up in, which was it was spiritual to feel guilty, and that's one extreme which is dangerous. But equally dangerous is a view that says, hey, my imperfection, this is my sin, my missing of the mark, that's, that's no big deal. And I think the, the, what, what, what Peter is saying here to you and to me is, until we admit that we have a problem, we don't have a need for a Savior. Right? And then until we really believe Romans chapter 3 that says all have sinned. And in the Greek, let me just go into Bible nerd you for a moment. Koinonia or Greek, all, guess what it means? It means everybody. Right? And so, like we all are desperately in need of a Savior. That's why we don't look down on people who struggle. Because we know that by the grace of God, that would be our struggle. Right? There, there's, there's, we don't have a casual attitude about sin, which makes us not judgmental about people who are struggling, knowing that in our flesh, we're going to struggle. And there's this desperate need in all of our lives for a holy God who won't wink away at our imperfection. We need a perfect sacrifice. So our hope is not in our ability to do anything. Our hope is in what Jesus Christ has already done. And the greatest thing that God can do is tell you the truth about yourself. You have a problem. And the answer to your problem is a resurrected Jesus Christ. Why? Because a resurrected Christ gives hope that you can be made new. <sighs> that you and I can be made new. So don't ever mistake anything I say from this stage into these cameras, into your lives about the grace of God and the healing of God as a casual attitude about what Jesus Christ has done and what each one of us need in him. It ought to make us more loving and it ought to make us more confident because our confidence is being put in a different place. Right? Right? And so the next thing that happens in this story, once this part of the story has been told, I think is one of the greatest miracles in the book of Acts. It doesn't get all the press that all the other miracles, there's no fire, there's no wind, there's no someone getting healed in Peter's shadow. We're going to show you that in a few weeks. It says in Acts chapter 2, verse 37, when the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and they said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what do we do? A group of religious zealots who had been conditioned to believe that their way was the right way in a miraculous moment came face to face with their imperfection and said, how can we fix this? 
Now, now here's the thing. It's not like they haven't heard some of them from the mouth of Jesus, these words before. It wasn't Peter's words that convinced them. It was the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit had created. Now, some of you need to, need to hear me. I need you to listen to me that the miracle that God wants to do in your life and the life of your family is not in the words that you speak, but it's in the atmosphere that the Holy Spirit creates when those words are spoken. Right? You, you will not argue somebody into the kingdom. It's like changing somebody's mind on Facebook. It will not work. <laughs> right? And you're grasping for words. It wasn't the words that Peter spoke that were so eloquent, although they were eloquent. It was because they were historically correct. He didn't argue them into this response. The Holy Spirit created an atmosphere for this response to happen. Well, well, how do I how do I focus on an atmosphere of the Holy Spirit? You bring the Holy Spirit with you into that conversation. It's the Christ in you that does the work that your heart longs for. There is someone hearing me in this moment that you have a family member that you've been praying for, that you've been trying to debate into the kingdom. And I'm telling you, change your focus from what you're saying to the Spirit of God that is within you, creating an atmosphere for those words to be received. What do we do? They're cut to the heart. Jesus is who he said he was. You have a problem. You need a resurrected Christ. And Peter says, you've got to change your mind. Repent. That's what the word repent means. Change your mind. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and your children, for all those who are far off. For all whom the Lord our God will call. Now everybody look at me. When he says for all those for, who are far off, he's talking about you and me. We, we are the ones that were far off. I'm going to come back to this over and over and over again. I'm trying to break this American view of the Bible like we're God's chosen people. We're not. If God would not have sent missionaries, Paul, out of that port of Caesarea Philippi so the gospel could spread through Rome, the gospel, if Jesus wouldn't have said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all nations like we were his missionary project, this word is for us, for all of us, he says. With many other words, the Bible says, verse 40, he warned them, he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and about 3,000, everybody say 3,000. 3,000, 3, now just count men. Everybody get this, don't get mad at me. I, I don't count that way, but that's how they count. You know, I'm a pastor, I count everybody. You got a baby in your belly, there's two of you. I'm putting you on the roll, but... They're counting 3,000 men that day that gave their lives to Christ. So here's the question. What's next? I mean, this whole journey this year that I think is going to be the greatest journey we've ever taken as a church is about choosing better. The question is, what does better look like? Now, we all have our opinions about what better looks like. I'm asking the question, the church goes from zero to 3,000. Most scholars would say 9,000 in a moment. 
What does better look like? What's next? This, Acts 2, beginning verse 42, this is the passage that has captured my heart for 25 plus years of public ministry. This is the feudal sentences that God used to move me to a place to give my life to pastoring the local church. Because this is the picture of what can be. If we choose him. This is the picture of the new covenant Garden of Eden. (laughs) Where it was exactly as God had designed it to be before we, all of us, starts in the next book of the New Testament and it comes to day until we start jacking it up. This is what it's supposed to look like. Let me read it all to you and we'll break it down, okay? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. Selling their possessions of goods, they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. This is what better looks like. So let's talk about it for a moment, can we? They devoted themselves. They devoted themselves to what? To the apostles' teaching, the fellowship, the breaking, the bread, and the prayer. Look at me, everybody. A movement starts when people start moving. A movement is filled with people who decide to move. You... Contrary to today's world that we grew up in, a movement doesn't start in an online petition. You don't start a movement with a GoFundMe campaign. A movement starts when people start moving. And make no mistake about it, they move together. In a nation that idolizes independence, that defines a man As I did it my way, at whatever cost, the word you find over and over again here is the word together. It sounds something like John 17 to me when Jesus prays, Lord, may they be one. But the word that captures me is this word devoted. Uh... That's just like a Bible word for the word in my mind, committed. They committed themselves. They, they made a commitment. Uh, I've read recent sociology that says uh, that we live in a, in a day and time in American culture where 
it's a non-commitment age, and I vehemently disagree. They give you the stats about how many people can't hold jobs, how many people aren't getting jobs, and they just vocationally talk about people being not committed. I vehemently disagree. People are committed. They're just not committed to working hard at a job. We don't live in a non-commitment age. We live in an age where people are devoted to things that can't give them what they promise to deliver. Uh, These people decided that they had a problem and that a resurrected Christ was the answer and they believed it so strongly that they pushed all their chips to the middle of the table and they said, we're devoted to it. And the question that you have to ask about this story is what are you devoted to? Only you can answer that. What are you committed to? What are you willing to push all your chips into the middle of the table and say, this one thing I do? And I don't know what your answer is, but I do know this. If you give your life to something that doesn't have the ability to give you life back, you will die a slow, agonizing, spiritual death. I wasn't the one to first say it. I just believe it with all my heart. I think that the local church is the hope of the world when the local church operates like the original picture we see in Acts 2.42. I think the local church is, a move, is the movement if it is filled with the Holy Spirit led by the person of a resurrected Jesus Christ is the only movement on the planet that has the ability to affect the world in such a tangible, real way. But it's going to take a move of God through the Spirit of God in the hearts of people to devote themselves to it. You know, it's interesting to me um, now for a year plus, can I just, just personal note for a moment? For a year plus, uh, if you've walked into one of our physical locations, if you've watched, even if you're joined with us digitally and you watch the slides, the graphics that run before and after the services, you, you've heard or seen our campus leaders talk about following Jesus and finding freedom and having someone to know and something to do. And you, you may not know this because you've never been able to join us at a physical location, but like you walk in the doors and there's these big circles out on the, as you come in, find, follow, know, do. And 
every week somebody finds a reason, whether it's at an offering time or at the end of a service, hey, it's time to come to the pathway and find, follow, know, and do. And it's like, why do you think we do that? It's because what we find in Acts 2, verse 42 through 47, is people who have decided to to follow Jesus. They're now finding freedom. And again, I didn't make the words up. They're in the Bible. And they devoted themselves to doing something and doing it together. And I just thought this would be a weekend, especially for those of us you who've been with us over the last year or so, not for a commercial for those four words or the pathway, but like for you, I said to one of our creative team members a couple of weeks ago, I said, man, I just, I just want like regular people that have begun this journey to just not talk about how great this process is, just talk about how it's changed their lives, right? And so I was talking to Chase Tremere, who's our campus pastor at our Denton campus now, and some of you know him as he was an integral part of the leadership that put together this process of helping people follow Jesus and find freedom and find relationships that matter, someone to know, and then how to begin to use their gifts to help somebody else. And he told one of our creative team members, I mean, there's, there's a guy down at our Denton campus that in a conversation the other day, he was talking about how this has begun to play out in his life. So I want you to hear from them for a moment. Let's listen to these guys. So I got my friend Brian here, and uh, Brian is, uh, he's a guy who can, he can build a stage like this for you, but he doesn't like being on it. And so I appreciate him stepping up tonight, having the courage to share. And it's funny, I called him earlier this week and kind of said, man, I'd love for you to share just some of the stuff you share with me about how that's kind of changed just your routine. And uh, he said, oh, well, thanks. Now I'm done eating lunch and my, my palms are sweaty. But, uh, man, Brian, I just wanted to give you an opportunity. And you, uh, you said there was a couple of things that really jumped out to you as you were going through Pathway that have kind of uh, just helped you as you learned how to be a better follower and what, what that's looked like. And so I just wanted to give you an opportunity to share a couple of those things and what that's looked like for you. Yeah, man. So what you just said, I'm used to working on a stage, not on a stage. So um, it is what it is. But you know, when you did call me and asked me to do this, my palms got sweaty. I was like, okay, well, you know what? It's not for me. It's for somebody to hear. Um, and I've got a story um, that somebody needs to hear about how, you know, it takes me a lot of pushing people, you know, my relationships that matter pushing on me to do stuff, to do stuff, and do stuff that I don't want to do. But if I want to do it, I'm all over it. You know, I'll have a good time. But when you do go do something that you didn't want to do and the Holy Spirit sets on you and you're just like, man, why did it take me so long to do that? Um, You know, it's just like the pathway. You know, I may work here, but I was like, "Mm, okay, yeah, sure, I'll go. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's, uh, I've got relationships that matter in my life, and it's those people that mean so much to me about what I do and who I am. Um, but it's, you know, it's like Michelle was talking earlier about Fix My Ride. We've got a, um, a very, um, how you say it, a person that volunteers a lot. And uh, she was volunteering at the uh, Fix My Ride, and 
we were talking and she had some issues with her car. And I was like, well, why isn't your car here? She goes, well, it's, it's not for me, it's for other people. And I was like, no, 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 it's for you. And so it took three of us, but we ended up going and getting her car and getting her car fixed up and getting it working. So, you know, it's that, it's that kind of, you know, she's a loyal volunteer and she's dedicated, but you know, she was wanting other people when she needed some help herself. And uh, I saw that God, you know, made me realize what was going on. And so I took advantage of that and, you know, we got her fixed up. So, um, you know, and then I'm just going to roll through this, you know, um, <laughs> here we go. <laughs> so the card that I'm holding is the 40 I am's. And, uh, this means a lot to me because I grabbed a handful of these and I sent them down to college station with my oldest son and said, man, just hold on to these. One day you'll figure out, you know, who to hand them to and what to do. And I keep one of these in the door of my truck. Well, I kept them in my door of my truck till I gave them all. And so I got another one of these and I keep these in my truck and these are a really good go-to uh, for when you're just questioning life. You're like, man, I, you know, I don't know what's going on. And you just look at the 40 I am's and you're like, oh, okay, cool. So, you know, and as I'm going down the road, I'll pray, and that's the way, that's the way I do things. I, I, I'm not a get down on my knees and pray at the bed uh, kind of guy. I'm just cruising down the road, and I know God's out there, and he's listening to me, and, uh, you know, he knows what I'm going to say, and so I just, you know, that's what I do. That's how I do it, but if it wasn't for people pushing me into uncomfortable things, man, the Holy Spirit's awesome. You know, so. What would you say, uh, yeah, thanks, man. For, uh, for that guy or gal that's sitting out there that, uh, man, they, they're, they maybe where you were even just a, a couple months ago, a couple years ago, what would you say to them about uh, this process of, of taking a step to learn how to be a better follower? I'd say just, you know, listen to the God, God that's speaking to you, um, you know, and and put it in action um, instead of sitting on it. I'm not the best guy in the world. Uh, you know, I'm funny, I'm whatever, but, you know, <laughs> you know, listening to, you know, what he's got to say and just doing it. It's like today. I was like, man, I've just been like, God, what? give me the words to say that touches one person out there. You know, that's what matters is one person. If one person gets touched, man, I'm good as gold, you know, so. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, man. Thank you, Brian. <laughs> Movements begin because people get filled with God's spirit and begin to move. Because everybody's devoted to something. <laughs> everybody's committed to something. Even you contrarians out there go, you know what, I man, I ain't committing to nothing. Well, you're committed to not committing. <laughs> the question you have to ask yourself is this. Is what you're devoted to, does it have the ability to give you the life that you've been looking for. 
I mean, when you break down this little picture in Acts 2, 42. I mean, let me do it for you just quickly. Let me just really quickly break this down. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and signs were done among the apostles. What you're going to see is you're going to see people get set free in this story. Physically, relationally, emotionally, spiritually, you're going to see people who, because they've begun to follow Jesus, they're finding freedom. And you move, you, you, you continue with the story, and it says, all together, everything in common. The fact of the matter is, you were created to do this life with other people. You can't do it on your own. I love this. Selling their possessions and good they gave to anyone as they had need. They weren't focused on what they didn't have. They just used what they had. You see it? Sounds like someone to know and something to do. And every day, they continue to meet together in the temple courts. I ain't telling you you got to go to church every day. I'm saying you take the church with you every place you go, and what you see is the desperation they have. Because there are days that you will be so filled with the Holy Spirit that you think you're going to bust. And there will be days that you can't find it with both hands as hard as you look. And so the spirit in me connects with the spirit in you. And we're better together. I really wanted Brian to talk to you guys this weekend. Because he learned how to hear God in a deer stand. And I think we have so over-spiritualized the process of finding, knowing, hearing, and walking with God. I know some of you are getting tired of hearing it, but some of you just watching for the first time. The Holy Spirit is not weird. People are weird and gives the Holy Spirit a bad rap. God does not want to turn you into a weirdo. He wants to speak to you in the deer stand. And if you give yourself to not my picture... Not some Christian author's picture, not some songwriter's picture, but God's picture of what better looks like. You will find the life that you've been looking for. I believe it with all my heart. You know, one of the ways I want you to see it this weekend, especially in light of this description of people bringing what they have and giving to people who have need is I'm bringing back a, a little tradition that we started a couple of years ago, years ago called the dollar giveaway weekend across Timbers. And here's what I'm asking all of you to do at all of our campuses today, all of our physical locations. If you guys online, you can 
give online to this. I just want $1 in a bucket as you walk out the door. Just $1, not 5 not 10 not 20 just $1. And there's a couple of needs that we know about that we're going to take everybody's little dollar that they put in. Four quarters, 10 dimes, 20 nickels, one little bill, and we're going to make a radical difference in somebody's life together. I just love how it ends because what it says at the end of this little section is they broke bread in their homes. I don't have time to go into this day. Look at me, everybody. That's about they experienced the presence of God together. And it could happen at a communion table. Or it could happen with some chips down at a Mexican food restaurant. Because when the presence of God is there, something happens. They broke bread in their homes. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added their number daily, those who were being saved. What happened was, is the atmosphere around them changed. Do you see it? Because we weren't created for me, we were created for we. And all of a sudden, the atmosphere around began to change because people who were surrendering to the person of the Holy Spirit were not looking for a quiver in their liver, a feeling, or another thunderclap. They were living it out with other people. That's how God changed the world. So quit sitting around waiting for a thunderclap or to fall on the ground and flop like a bass or whatever it is your picture is of what it means to get filled with God's Spirit and take a step toward together. Letting God use you to change the atmosphere around you and you will find the life that you've been looking for. Let's pray together. Father, thank you in Jesus' name for this beautiful picture of the unadulterated, unsullied dream of your heart for what's next for every person when they realize that they have a problem and that a resurrected Christ is the answer to that problem. Thank you for the promise of being made new. Anybody need to be made new today? Besides me, is there an area of your life you need God? Just raise your hand wherever you sit. God needs you to make me new in this area of my life. I don't, I don't want you to fix me. I want you to recreate me. Create in me something new, Lord. That is the promise of your resurrection. Lord, help us not to over-spiritualize <laughs> with some fantasy picture of what it might mean to meet with you, to experience your presence. Open our eyes to the opportunities in front of us. Give us, by the power of your Holy Spirit, a mustard seed of faith that would help us take the next step. May we devote our lives to you and your bride. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.